This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. We are back. I'm Elliot Harris. David Spada is out of the office doing work, but on the phone. And also on the phone is a fairly good NFL player in his day, a tight end, a star. Charlie Sanders, a seven-time Pro Bowl selection. And now in the front office of the Detroit Lions, who for the first time in a long time will be in the postseason. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing fine, especially now. I'm doing just fine. I was going to say, you're a little busier now than you normally are at this time of year, aren't you? Well, yeah, we added another week of work, if nothing else. So <laughs> only good, only good one week. Yeah, I said for now, it's a good it's a good week. <laughs> so, what is the atmosphere around the Lions around Detroit? They finally have a good football team again. Well, I, I think it's more excitement uh, than anything. Uh, not only uh, with the fans, but the, the whole city. Uh, the good part about it is that the players uh, are taking, you know, quite a bit of joy in the fact that uh, you know they, they've done something that's that, that's taken so long, uh, you know, for the fans to uh, to be able to to enjoy, and that is to to get into uh, you know the playoffs. How hard was it this year going up going up against those Packers teams? How good were they? Well, the Packers are good. I mean, and when you get to this point, they're all good. But uh, you have a, a good explanation when you look at teams across the league as to how important a good, efficient quarterback is. And uh, you know, you talk about the Packers, and of course, you know, we're getting ready to engage with with uh, the Saints, and and they have the same type of situation. It's it's critical that in order to be successful and take that next step. You have to have a quarterback, and the Lions were fortunate, uh, you know, some three years ago to to go out and and draft um, uh, Matthew Stafford, and 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 in two years he's done what I think Rodgers and Breeze has done for the, for their team. Did you expect him to develop as rapidly as he has? Well, you know, you always go into the drafts with with great expectations, and I I think if if he hadn't been as good as he's shown himself to be this year, maybe a degree or two less, we probably would have still been happy. I mean, you have to look at what this guy's done and the fact that the Detroit Lions really uh, have not had the services of their uh, two number one running backs, and he's still been able to, number one, get them into a playoff and to have the the, the numbers that go along with a quarterback that has you know, a balanced attack around them. So um, expectations, yeah, you know, we can pat ourselves on the back and say, yeah, we expected all of this. But to be very honest with you, uh, not this much this fast. You were basically coming out as a blocking tight end, but you had phenomenal receiving skills. And now it seems like these tight ends are more like wide receivers. I mean, New England's got two of them in the uh, Grakowski and also that Hernandez, and your tight end pedigree is not too bad either. No, he's. I, I still say he's the top five in the league because he doesn't have to come off the field, and that's the way some of those tight ends are today. Graham down at uh, at New Orleans, and I, I think what has happened, and it, um, when you look at it from the defensive schemes and all the packages they put in, there's very little man to man that safeties play now, and when you can find a tight end that is able to get by with his blocking ability as well as excel in the receiving aspect of it, then you really have a weapon. And I think that's what 
we have in Pettigrew. That's what uh, Graham is with New Orleans, and that's the the way it is in Green Bay. So there's been a lack of skill that's been um, uh, developed in terms of playing man-to-man skills from a defensive standpoint. But there's also been the realization that if you get one of those type of tight ends, the Gates and the Gonzalez's that can flex out and, and get involved in the in the passing game, then you really, really have a weapon. And I think you've seen a trend now go back to the importance of the tight end to to football, whereas probably before the last two years, going back 15 years, the tight end was not uh, looked upon as to be a critical part of, of your offense. Now, do you go look at the game today and say, you know, if Charlie Sanders could uh, travel in a time machine, he'd be doing pretty good if he could play in these offenses? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've, I've given that part of it up uh, in terms of looking at where I would be on the scale, especially the pay scale today. <laughs> I tell you what, I... I you'd, be, you'd be making some I'd money. I think pretty good. Yeah, I'd be doing pretty good right now, but uh, that's where the game has uh, ha- has come to right now. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pulling for those guys and I'm pulling for them all. So emphasize the importance of the tight end. But, uh, yeah, if, again, if you have one of those types that can, uh, become a pass catching threat for your team, then you, and you have that quarterback that can get, uh, him that ball, then you really have something. When you played at Minnesota, was Bobby Bell on your team back then, or was he before you? No, Bobby Bell was before me. Uh, he was on the national championship team, so he was before me. We basically came out of the same part of uh, the state of North Carolina, uh, along with Carl Ella, but those guys were ahead of me. So was that the pipeline that uh, the university had down to North Carolina to get the good players out of Carolina and up to Minnesota? Well, I can't say much, so much a pipeline as much as it was a realization that uh, the black athletes down in, in, in the Carolinas down south really didn't or wasn't afforded the opportunity to go to the major schools, uh, the big schools. They were confined to the smaller black schools. And so I think the, if you want to give uh, Minnesota and a lot of the other Big Ten schools some credit, it was the realization that the great athletes that were left down south, um, if they were afforded an opportunity, they could not only benefit themselves, but more importantly, they were going to benefit uh, the university and their football program. So the University of Minnesota was able to go down and recruit those uh, black athletes, and it really opened up the the uh, way for uh, the black athletes to then not only participate in the Big Ten schools, but also start participating in the uh, larger uh, schools down south. I'm sure Minnesota didn't recruit athletes in the winter because no one in their right mind was there in the wintertime. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because when I went there, it wasn't in the snow on the ground, so at least they were smart enough to know that if they were going to bring you up there, they brought you up in the spring and it was beautiful, and then all of a sudden, you know, you saw this, uh, this snow falling and it kept falling for about four months, and you realized, you know, well, what have I got myself into? But uh, uh, all in all, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. It was a great experience for me, especially coming from the South, to to uh, not only, you know, get out of the South and the, and the way of thinking that was going on at that point in time in my life, but to go North and see the difference in the way people thought and the way people were treated. So for me personally, you know, being, being a, a, a black athlete, it was uh, an experience that uh, really opened my eyes uh, as to, you know, what life
life is all about. It it, it really gave me a different uh, approach in terms of dealing with uh, with mankind. Now, as a tight end, and you look at today's game, do you feel blocking is a lost art among most tight ends? Well, sure it is, and 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 I can understand it because the defensive side of the ball has changed. Basically, years before, you'd line up in your base 4-3 with your defensive end over your tackle. But now they've gone to defenses where they'll put the defensive end over the, the tight end. For that particular reason, uh, in, in general, is the fact that most tight ends can't block a defensive end. So schematically, from a defensive standpoint, they move people around to make it difficult to affect your running game as well as to aid them in the passing game. So um, most tight ends are not going to hold up against a good defensive end. You know, that's that's fact. So uh, uh, if you can find a guy that can do both, then you you got yourself a jewel. What do you think what's going on in Indianapolis? It shocked me on Monday that Napoleon was fired along with his son. I mean, this guy built up three organizations. Well, you know, I can't really answer <laughs> what's going on there, uh, you know. A lot of people could have asked that question about us years back, but I've, for some reason, been able to hold on here. You know, every team, every organization, every owner, everybody have their own criteria as to what they want out of, uh, you know, the people that they employ, and that's just an unfortunate situation that happened at that team. But it's happened at, any, at all the teams throughout the NFL. It's, it's, it's understandable because no matter how great of a coach you are, no matter how great of a, a GM you are, at some point in time, you're going to get fired if you stay there long enough. Now, what was it like watching and being around a team that doesn't win a game all season? Well, it depends on, for me, it was heartbreaking because, I, you know, I've been here for 44, 45 years. So this is family. This is my team. This is, I bleed to Honolulu blue and silver. So it was tough. You know, you wear it on your sleeves, you know. You wear it out in the public. So it was tough for me. For a lot of people coming and going, it probably didn't affect them the way the people that live and die, uh, you know, Detroit line. It's, I've been through some, some good and not as, as, as much good as, as, as a lot of teams, but you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate and very proud to say, you know what, this is still my team. So, uh, this is, is even more rewarding for, you know, a guy like me that's been around for all of the lean years to all of a sudden you can see uh, light at the end of the tunnel. I'll tell you what, I give Detroit a lot of credit. They take care of their former players. I mean, you're still with the organization, like you said, for 43 years, Joe Schmidt, who was your coach, is still around the organization. Is it just, is the Ford family that loyal? The Ford family is that loyal, you know, and I've said it many times. It's the best owner owner in the NFL and the best organization, best fans. And, and uh, you know, you, you you cited that yourself, that there isn't a greater owner or a greater employer that I can think of that I want to be associated with than, than the Ford. Is there any game or play in your career that stands out as a favorite? Well, I'm always going to be a little partial to the 1970 game against the Raiders when we made the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> other time other than uh, 1991 that we were able to get to the playoffs and that was a that was a team that started to develop late in the season and we had to uh win our last five games and four of those five games were against divisional leaders and we were able to do that and, and go on into the playoffs unfortunately you know we lost to Dallas in a five nothing uh, uh 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 situation but you know, if you take some glory in it all, Dallas went on to win the Super Bowl. So <laughs> we lost to the Super Bowl champs. So. What do you think of this whole concussion thing now? They're saying players are getting more concussions now. we got to watch it. The game's too violent. Well, it's part of the game. 
and I, I don't really think that there's anything anybody can do about it in terms of developing the equipment, in terms of changing the rules. It is what it is. It's, a, it's unfortunate that it's part of it, but we all make choices. It, it, it's just no different than being a fighter or being a race car driver. There are dangers and hazards that go along with it. You can try to clean it up, but based on what the game is and what it's meant to do and how it's meant to be played and how people train, and it's never going to be 100% right in terms of handling injuries, whether they be concussions or whether they be broken bones. And, you know, you, everybody give a, a lot of attention to the concussions, the concussion, but there are a lot of other injuries that uh, uh, individuals go through uh, later on in life as a result of this game, too, that, you know, <laughs> sometimes you wake up with so much pain you wish you didn't have, <laughs> you know, the feeling or the thought process that, that you're involved in. But you'll never be able to clean this game up no matter uh, how you try. Yeah. Who, what defensive player tackled you the hardest? Well, it was a guy uh, down the road there, uh, about 300 miles, that name uh, Buckus. Uh. Not, not, not a bad linebacker back in the day. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he, he was my favorite uh, ball player. Or at least he, he was the one that every time I think about football and every time I take a step, I, I, I know that he had something to do with it. He didn't take any bites out of you or gouge any eyes or anything, did he? He gouged the eyes. He did that. Oh, uh, no, not Dick yeah. Buckus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was a saint, he, a choir boy. Sure he was. <laughs> he didn't know where you were. <laughs> right. Did you get any head slaps from Deacon Jones? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about him today. Uh, uh, I was a rookie and thought I could uh, stand up to him. And uh, uh, luckily, uh, the whistle blew before he got to my quarterback because I didn't lay a hand on it. <laughs> So who is the best player you think in NFL history? We've had people say Jim Brown, other people have said Walter Payton. Well, you know, I I had a chance to play and see Walter. I didn't have a chance to play with Jim. I had a chance to see coach and be around Barry Sanders and uh uh if if he wasn't the best, he was a year away from that. So, uh I I'd have to say Barry was the best I've ever seen. Could you understand why he retired when he did? Because I can't. No, I don't think anybody really can understand it. And the only reason they can't because they're looking at it from a selfish standpoint. And so, you know, if I'd have been smarter, I'd have retired two or three years before I did, too. I, what I never got with him is why Wayne Fox would take him out at the goal line and put somebody else in to get the touchdown. I mean, he could get in. Well, that wasn't so much Wayne as it was Bobby. Uh, Bobby wanted a power runner, and Barry was not a power runner. Uh, uh, and Barry didn't mind either. And, you know, Barry was an instinctive runner. And so if something flashed, you know, he would bolt. And so uh, uh, he was understandable with it. He'd get you 15, but he could lose you five. So uh, that was just the nature of the way he ran the ball. Did you have a favorite quarterback? Well, my favorite would have been Greg. I played with him all those years. So Greg Landry? Greg Landry would have been my favorite quarterback, yes. I'm surprised he was never a head coach. I mean, he was a great offensive coordinator, but he just never got the chance. Well, it's all about opportunity, and and there's a lot of great ball players that have been out there, and and uh, great assistant coaches, but just never got the uh, the opportunity. It's a it's a game of fortune uh, and fame, and it's a it's a game of opportunity. Is who you know. Well, you know a lot of the right people, right? Well, I do, but I'm beyond that. I 
<laughs> you never had coaching aspirations? Well, sure. I coached for ten years, and uh, it was. It, I think I enjoyed coaching more than I did playing. And uh, as far as taking that next step from an assistant to a head coach, I never aspired to do that. I I just wrapped up in what I was doing and and the and the, uh, the glory of, of watching guys develop and perform out on the field. So you coach when you guys are running their run and shoot, right? With the three, four receivers. Right, I was part of that too. And then, uh, of course, we changed that and uh, went to uh, the one tight. So I, I, I was fortunate enough to to go through some lean years and, and go through some good years. And now the good years are back. Now they're back. And it looks with that defense like they'll be around for a while too. Well, I'm hoping so. I really am. If uh, if Sue can uh, behave himself every once in a while. <laughs> well. He's just getting settled in. He'll be fine. All righty. Charlie Sanders, thank you very much. Good luck to the Lions in a postseason game for the first time since 91. Does that sound right? That sounds right. That's all good. All righty. Thank you very much. All right. Take care of yourself. All righty. That was Charlie Sanders, as good a tight end as you will have seen back in the day. We will be back shortly after a brief timeout, hopefully with Irv Cross. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.